Welcome to the Backstory Podcast. My name is Jacob Blouse, and this is where, as we say, the heart of a story comes to life. We are going to be diving in today into the backstory from longtime members of WCC, Jeff and Allison Walls. Thank you both for being on with us today. Oh, glad to be here. Thank yes. you for asking us. Um, and when I say longtime members, Jeff, you have been here for most of your life, correct? And uh, Allison, I know you've been here for quite some time, too. Yes. Uh, uh, not quite as long as Jeff, right? But no, still, a still a long longer. time. Or, or a little bit shorter. Um, and, and this is kind of special for me to do because, um, Jeff, you and I have been connected now ever since I first started attending yeah. here. You were the first person I met. Oh, wow. I uh, didn't realize yes, that. Yes, yes. Actually, <laughs> yes. When I came to the church about 10 years ago, um, I was in my early 20s going through a lot. And I walked back to a small group room, and there you were. Uh, helping John Luttrell make some coffee, mm. and you were the first person to have a conversation with me. And from that time, we've become close friends, and we even led that small group together for a little mm -hmm. while. And so uh, this is pretty exciting. And also, as we speak, Jeff, you are serving on the board of elders as the vice chairman at, at this time. Yes. Um, unless you quit that already. You're, <laughs> you're still the vice chairman, right? Still there. All right. Well, a, a great segue. I like to jump straight into in these interviews is to first talk about Jesus. When did Jesus become real to you? How did he become real to you? And how did you come to have a relationship with him? So Allison, do you want to go first on that one? Sure. I can go first. Um, I grew up in the church. Um, my dad was a Baptist minister my whole entire life. And um, we lived in Cincinnati. We went to Indiana, which is why I'm a Hoosier today. Oh. Um, I know. <laughs> Don't hold it against me. Oh, I can't really after this season of the Buckeyes. I really can't. <laughs> well, Indiana did beat them the other night in basketball. Okay. <laughs> so go Hoosiers. Um, but so I have just, you know, I've been in the church since day one. Um, I can remember in Indiana, I was in my parents' bed. Why I was laying in my parents' bed. I don't know. My sister and I were in there. And I went out to my parents and I said, what do I need to do for communion? That's what I wanted to know. Like, what do I need to do to take communion? And my dad's like, well, you know, you need to be baptized and you need to accept Jesus into your heart. And they walked me through that. And there was a book. I can't even remember what the book was called, um, but it was supposed to help you kind of walk through your um, faith process. So I do have to say, I have a story about my baptism. Yes, let's hear it. Oh, so our church that we went to, that uh, it was in Hartsville, Indiana, small country church, and there was no baptistry at all. So my dad had been a part of another church before we went to Hartsville in, in Columbus. And um, so they had a baptistry that they were going to let us use. And they told my dad just before, like the day before my thing, they're like, um, the heater is broken <laughs> on the baptistry. And this, this is like the beginning of December and it was so cold and it was freezing. And my dad, of course, he goes down in first. He does a little bit of talking because, you know, he's a minister. And <laughs> Wait, ministers like to talk? I didn't know that. All the time. Oh. All the time. Uh, they have a lot to say. <laughs> That's brand new information. No one's ever heard that before. You heard it here first. Ministers like to talk. <laughs> yes. And uh, so then I went in, and 
it was like porcupine quills on your I mean, it was just like they tingled. And then, he, you know, he baptized me and I got up out of the water and then he was still in the water for a little bit longer. So my poor dad, <laughs> he was he was very sweet to do that. But mm. so, I mean, my parents have always like guided me in my faith steps. And I feel like I understood it when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't appreciate it as much when I was a teenager. Um, I felt like I was the only Christian in my class. I knew there were others, but I just kind of felt, I don't know, alone. Um, So I didn't show it as much in high school as I should have. Um, But then once I got into college and even beyond, it's, yeah, I feel like my faith has grown stronger. And Yes, um, and... So we know we know your parents had a big influence in that. Uh, was there anyone else who was a big influence in your life, especially when it came to Christ? Well, besides my dad mm-hmm. being a minister, my grandfather was a minister, which would be my dad's dad. Did he like um, to talk too? Yes. <laughs> I come by it honestly. <laughs> it is a family trait. Um, and then my grandmother on my mom's side, she was um, – a huge help in that as well. Mm. So, like, I was surrounded my whole life. I mean, even aunts and uncles and, yeah. I but, had a lot. But I, I like, as you said, as you went on in the college, the faith became more of a relationship. Yes. And so um, that's great. That's great. Yes. So, Jeff, what what is your story? Well, I look at mine as, as just boring. <laughs> boring, sheltered, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. No. Um, because I look back on it and I see how God used different people mm. in, in my life. Uh, I was, uh, I was born on a Tuesday and, uh, not that Sunday, but the Sunday after I was in church. And the reason I know that is because my, my grandmother would always, would always say how, uh, if your mother would have gotten you into church on that first Sunday, you could have had perfect attendance that first year. That was always a big thing to her, you know. Uh, but uh, attendance was big growing up. Like, did did you have like some kind of attendance chart in Sunday school growing up? Yes, yes. Uh huh. Oh, we went. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. Oh, go ahead. So, when we were engaged, my parents invited him to go on vacation with us, and he was known for having perfect attendance <laughs> in church. And so it was like, okay, we have to figure out where we're going to go while we're down in Florida because, you know, Jeff, they don't want him to lose his perfect attempt. So I can, I mean, it was, it was a big thing, even when we were in college and dating. Yeah. It, you know, I, I was blessed with some good health. I mean, that's a, that's a big part of it. And so, um, you know, we always were at church and yes, they did, uh, used to do a thing here where you could, they would keep track of the attendance and, uh, and each year they would recognize you for having perfect attendance. And I think at one point I was, I was up over 20 years. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I was, you know, you, you have to be somewhat healthy. And I do remember a few times being sick and then, by afternoon, I was in here for evening service. So uh, anyway, you know, those are things that, um, are they important? Not so much the, the having the perfect attendance, but, but being regular, being, being at church. 
um, I mean, this, this was home yeah. to me. And, uh, I, I, you know, I had lots of people who poured into me over the years. Um, I accepted Christ as my savior and was baptized when I was eight years old. But, uh, my grandmother had a really big influence on me. Uh, I remember going over to her house and before I could even read, she would be telling me, go over and get that Bible underneath the table over there and bring it over here. So I would go get a Bible underneath the end table and bring it to her. Wow. And we're going we're gonna to learn the, you know, whatever verse it was. We're going to le- learn the Lord's Prayer. We're going we're gonna to memorize the books of the New Testament. And so she would recite them and I would repeat them and, and she was determined to teach me these things because they were important to her. And she wanted me to understand that. So even long before I understood what it meant to to follow Jesus, I was learning. And right. I, I, was, I was really fortunate to have a uh, grandmother, to have people here in this church who uh, who took an interest in me, even at a young age, that uh, so, poured so into me. From, so from day one, you were in this church? Yes, yes. Wow. Yes. So, who, who baptized you? Uh, Keith Dimbath did. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Was Keith the senior minister at the time, or was no? He was he, not. He was still the associate. He, he was the associate, um, and uh, we did it over in the old worship center, which is now the uh, where the Kids City uh, mm. Theater is. Uh, you can't see the the baptistry anymore, but I guess if you go behind the, yes, the wall there, you, you can still, you still see got the big somebody. hole there. Yes, the hole is there. And so, yeah, I was I was baptized in in that uh, baptistry there, and and I still I still remember mm. uh, a lot of that. I mean, I was eight years old, so I remember meeting with Keith. Uh, he came over to our house, and we talked a little bit about it. And uh, um, and uh, I will say that yeah, even though I was eight years old, I I understood mm. what I was doing, but to the extent that I understand now is. Yeah, no. I mean, you under I understood that you know what? I I'm I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. I have broken a relationship with God mm-hmm. and 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 he offers me a way of fixing that. Yeah, and I think that's a problem a lot of people have when trying to make the decision for Christ. They think you have to have the level of understanding that we have now mm-hmm. versus what you had as a kid. And right. that's completely false. Mm-hmm. There are the basic things that you need to understand, like you're a sinner, Christ offers a way. And uh, yeah, so I was baptized at a young age too. But um, it, it took me to about my teen years to start developing sure. a stronger relationship with Christ versus what I knew as a kid, but still um, wouldn't trade well, that for anything. And and I've heard the example used before, you know, you don't give baby steak. I love steak, all right? <laughs> I Medium rare. Amen. Uh, I love steak. <laughs> He's begging. But, <laughs> but but you you don't give an infant steak. Mm. You could give an infant milk, and and until that infant can grow to where they can take on more solid foods mm. and be able to handle that. And I think the same thing is true in 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 our spiritual walk. We start off on the milk, but but here's the thing: if you're if you're 20 years old and you're still on milk and you've not moved to the solid foods, you might need to stop and take a step back and say, okay, what what do I need to do? What responsibility am I taking for my relationship with Christ? Right. And uh and 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 sometimes it takes each of us a little bit longer to to do that. But there were different times in my life where I felt like, you know, I was growing in my faith, but then I would just be more flat. And then all of a sudden I would have 
a little bit of a spike where mm. somebody came into my life and uh, and provided influence to me uh, and and explained things a little bit better yes. to me and helped me to learn. And uh, well, keeping keeping with that analogy of milk and steak, I, I think a lot of us have that same story. You know, we we kind of we kind of get on this thin line. And all of a sudden we get hungry. And I mm -hmm. think that's the correct term to use. We get hungry for the word. Yes. We get hungry for God. And we want more. And we crave more. Mm -hmm. And so, and I, like you said, as as kids, you're not going to be on the stake yet, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, and that's what I love about um, Cheryl, our children's minister. She does mm -hmm. what's called the uh, splash class yes. mm -hmm. for kids who are interested in wanting to know more about baptism. They're not committing to be baptized. Mm -hmm. But they're, they're at the age where they're asking questions, and she's able to sit down and say, here is what you need to know. And even the parents t attend that class a lot of times. They even get to hear what you need to know. We have seen a lot of testimonies begin with, with stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so um, who who are some more in influential people in your life, though? Well, I, t I tell you what. Um, you know, I did grow up during this time when we had the VBS, and when I when – I, did VBS years ago, we, we had it over two weeks. So we would have like Monday through Thursday of one week, and then we would come back the next week and do Monday through Thursday. And, and I always remember those, uh, those weeks so fondly, but I remember Mabel Merkel would be up there directing the music and, and, uh, and I remember one time her pulling me up there and having me stand on the front pew and, and helping lead with the singing. I was probably, what, five or six years old or something like that. I was really young, but I do remember that. But I also remember, though, her being in some of the Sunday school classes mm. and, and and teaching us. And then when I got into to junior high, um, uh, Hugh and Joel and Vance were mm. in there. And, um, and you know, Joellen is such a um, – she's got such knowledge uh, of um, – of the of the scripture and the background of things, and you know, at that time, I don't know that I appreciated it as much until later. Because fast forward ahead, she and I are married, mm. and we've been asked to help out in the in the junior high class. And so, uh, our first Sunday in there was the uh, was Hunter's first Sunday at church. And uh, and we started helping out in there, and, and and we're in there for a number of years in the in the junior high class. But the the cool thing about that was I was getting to serve alongside Hugh and Joellen, wow, and then John and Amy Luttrell as well. And I loved it when when uh, Amy and when Joellen would take turns teaching because mm -hmm. I'm sitting back here and I'm like, all right, I'm I'm, I'm learning things. I mean, I learned a lot growing up. And then you go off to college, and and I think in college it's one of those times where your faith still grows, but but you're so focused on other things that you don't mm -hmm. you, you don't see that uh, that accelerated growth that that we talk about, where you you know it spikes up that hunger like you talked about. But once we got in there, and it, it's going to sound so odd because it was middle school. I'm going to middle school, and <laughs> <laughs> and and. Especially with with Joellen and Amy, they'd get in there and they would they would give some background information, and I was like, "Huh, I never really thought of it that way uh, before." And and what it did for me was it it inspired more of that hunger, and mm. I'm like, 
I want to learn more of this. I mean, I knew all the Bible stories growing up, but when you put them all together and you see that it's all one big story and you hear the background mm-hmm. uh, of the, the culture back then and you can understand the timeline um, and you see how it all comes together, you can't help but get hungry about that. It brings and the Bible to life in a new way. It really yes. did. And so I guess yes. going back to middle school for a second time <laughs> really <laughs> sparked something uh, for me, and um, and and you know that's one of the reasons why I have stayed in there. I enjoy um, being able to to pour into the students. I, I get to to teach sometimes in the middle school on Sunday mornings. Most of my time is spent in the high school class, but but I enjoy filling in those gaps that that the kids may not be aware of between the individual stories to mm-hmm. help them put it all together. And uh, it's, but, but people it is, like that really influenced me and got that spark. Absolutely. Started. Absolutely. And I know Joellen, Amy, they taught in junior high for years. Mm-hmm. And I remember Tony Brockmeyer, our student minister. I remember him saying like, you know, the day they leave, that's going to be, it's <laughs> like, we, we've, we have great people who teach in there now, but it's like, mm-hmm. it's hard when you lose that influential people who have served in that place for years. Mm-hmm. But um um, but so, we do have some great people that, and, and, that jump in there and, they jumped and, they, in. and they're making the same difference in those kids' lives. They're getting that, to do that and grow that same legacy that, that yes. Joellen and Amy have grown over the years. And so it's pretty special to mm-hmm. see that cycle. But I remember the day um, Joellen and Amy said, you know, we're, it's about time we step down. And, mm-hmm. and, and Tony's like, oh, hate to lose them, <laughs> but you understand. And it's exciting to give other people opportunities mm-hmm. to serve with the youth. And so you have already mentioned um, some things about college. You both went to a Wilmington College, correct? We did. Mm-hmm. We did. That's where you met, correct? Yes. So now I'm interested in the story of how you met. <laughs> Who's doing that one? Go for it. Okay. So I had um, two roommates. No, I had three. But two of them that like I hung out with more. And um, so there were the three of us. And then we had – they had – three guys that they hung out with Jeff being one and then two other guys that he was friends with. And, um, so we would do things together. And one story that I tell people, we went to Kings Island one summer. I want to say it was between my sophomore and junior year. This was a group of us that were, were going. Yes. The Mm -hmm. six of us. So it was between his freshman and sophomore year, my junior, my sophomore and junior year. And um, we went as this group. Well, you know, we would ha- – when you go into roller coasters, it's pairs. Right. Well, most of the day I was with one of our other friends. Well, this one time we went on the Adventure Express, I can remember, and I got paired with Jeff. <laughs> and I'm like, why would they put me with Jeff? You can see I don't know this guy. I mean, I knew him. But I didn't really know him. You can see someone's true colors on a roller coaster, too. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't remember the ride. I just remember that I did not want to ride with him. And um, (laughs) so we, you know, we rode, and I don't remember much. But that day, one of our friends um, worked the Sky Zone or Extreme Sky Flyer. Yeah, it's the big, giant swing that they pull you up. and, And you have to pull the cord, and then you swing. So... We had a friend who would get us on for free, and um, one of the guys, he's like, no, no. And then my two friends, the girls, were like, no, 
I thought, I'm going to be, I'm going to be tough. I'm going to prove that I'm not a chicken. <laughs> so our other friend and Jeff and I, we go and I'm in the middle of these two guys. And, um, so yes, we, I like to say we took the plunge that first day together. Wow. What a, what a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> but didn't really uh, know each other. Um, mm-hmm. And because we we had common friends, but yeah, we didn't know each other too well. But that's one of the first memories we have of doing something together. Mm. Yes. Well, in my junior year, I I was dating someone, but the my friends were like Allison because we were sitting around our apartment one day at at dinner, and they're like Allison, of the guys that we are friends with, we know you're dating so and so. Would who would you date of our friends that you know? And so I sat there and I thought about it and I'm like, well, this one, uh, you know. So I started to think about Jeff and the qualities that I had seen in him. He worked at the Christian bookstore here in town. Um, I knew he went to church with his grandmother, and so I thought, you know, he kind of aligns more with what I am. I believe and all that, and so I'm like, you know, it would be Jeff. I said, I, I would date Jeff. Well, he kind of got interesting in my eyes after that. I kind of was like, <laughs> You had to oh. verbally say it before it starts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was like yes. it like opened up the way to like, oh, I see him differently now. Okay. <laughs> and so, yeah, we uh, he, he asked me. Well, my relationship ended and he asked me out and we went on our first date and it's just kind of. Going on from there. How long, how long did you two go out before you got married? Uh, about almost three years. One day right. shy of three years. So yes. that was a that's that's another story there. So we had gone out on a on a date, but we weren't we weren't dating exclusively. Mm-hmm. We had just gone out together to a movie, and and <clears throat> that was on uh, September twenty third of nineteen ninety eight. It's uh, a good memory. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is why it's easy to remember. So we, it's because we we were talking one evening, and uh, and one of our friends, our common friends, had said, um, "Oh, you guys are going to end up getting married," you know. And we're <laughs> we're talking to each other on the phone, and so the, uh, it was one of her roommates said, "I just know it. You guys are going to end up getting married," and so we just started. Okay, so. If we're going to get married, now keep in mind, we're not even a couple yet. Well, if we're going to get married, we might as well pick out a date. And so we started to look, okay, so let's see here. Uh, you'll graduate then, and then I'll graduate here. And, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we did it around the, the anniversary of our first date? And so we picked September 22nd, 2001, uh, which, is, which would be like almost three years Later to the day, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not meaning anything by it, just being funny. Uh, well, when we f- finally started dating, and we uh, and we got a little more serious, and we finally got engaged, and we're looking at a date, and we said, "Why don't we just keep the one that we picked all those years ago?" Which was uh, which was again one day shy of three years to the day of our first date. And so we like to tell people, yeah, we picked out our our wedding date before we were even dating. Yes. <laughs> wow. Wow. And who who came up who came up with the idea to pick that date first? 
I don't remember. We were just talking and flipping through calendars and just saying, <laughs> okay, well, if, if they say we're going to get married, then we better pick out a date, you know, but, but we opted to keep that because it, at the time it made sense. And yeah, and so, yeah, so we, we actually dated for right around three years, uh, before we finally got married. So, so fast forward after college, you're married. Um, did you both end up in the fields that you originally set out for? <laughs> No, I, I, I know I know a little no. bit about that story. No, no, I uh, so when I, I I've been through college twice. Mm-hmm. Um, my first time through, I was going for my social work degree, and at that time, they did not do internships until like you're almost done. Yeah, and so it was my spring semester of my junior year, and I went and did an internship in Hillsboro. And it was um, with the Board of um, Mental Retardation and MRDD. That's what it was at the time, yeah. Yes. And um, so I loved the clients that were there and working with them. But the type of work that was social work, I was like, I can't do this. I knew it would um, it would take a mental toll mm. very quickly. God and bless those people. <laughs> yes, Yes, I've said that before. And um, so I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do because he and I were starting to date and, you know, getting more serious. And so I thought, I can't all of a sudden switch my major in my end of my junior year of college because who knows how much longer than I would have to go. So I just I stuck with it. I graduated with my social work degree and um, had no clue what I was going to do. And um, we had my mom worked for an attorney in Hillsboro while her husband was a funeral director at one of the local funeral homes. And they had talked to me about working at the funeral mm-hmm. home. And the funny thing was in high school, you take those aptitude tests. Yes. Well, funeral director was one of them. I'm like, Never. Um, I said, I heard that's kind of a dead end business. <laughs> so oh. I ended up there for nine years. I worked in the funeral home for nine years. I did not do any of the work. I did the paperwork. You did. The I was paperwork. the paperwork <laughs> person. I yeah uh, no couldn't do that. So um, then I was kind of feeling the stuff I did mattered. But nobody knew who I was or what, you know, I was behind the scenes, which is okay, but I didn't feel like it mattered that much. Mm. And so it wasn't, it wasn't your calling. It wasn't my calling. Mm. And I wanted to make a difference in lives. And so I thought I want to be a teacher because I love those aha moments with your students. And so Jeffrey, oh, God bless him. So Hunter was probably two. Mm. He he became a single dad for mm. two years almost. I went to school a lot of times at night because of just the way Wilmington College worked their classes. And I worked during the day. And if I wasn't in class, I was at the library studying for the classes that I was taking. So, I mean, he supported me through two years of college again and I got my degree in education and 
I've been in it ever since. And you're now at Wilmington Christian Academy? I am, and I teach fourth grade. Ooh, that's so, a fun age. Most of the time. Most yeah. of the time. There might have been a little sarcasm <laughs> in my voice when I said that, but <laughs> no, you've been there how long now? This is my eighth year. Eighth year. I right. taught four years in first grade and then four years in fourth grade. All right. And both your boys go there, I know. And we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about your boys here in a minute, but that's, that's pretty special. So you've you've seen Wilmington Christian Academy grow quite a bit from where it used oh, to be. Oh, my goodness. And We've so gone it's from pretty exciting what's going on there right now. There's there, a lot know, of stuff. A lot of, a stuff, lot of stuff going on. Really growing. Yes. That's awesome. That's awesome. Jeff, how'd you end up in the field you're in? <laughs> <laughs> well, I studied business administration. Uh, so I, I, I uh, graduated with a degree in business administration and a concentration in entrepreneurship. Um, I work in solid waste now. I don't know anybody who grows up saying, I want to be a solid waste coordinator when I grow up. Yeah, you it, don't feel like you're wasting your time? <laughs> well, I remember being... All those being, wasted years? Well, and, <laughs> okay, just to... Sorry, I, I interrupt a lot. No. I apologize. I apologize, sweetie. Um but when he first told me about this, uh, I thought it was poop. It's like, it is not poop. <laughs> solid, not liquid. <laughs> it's not poop. No, it's not. Um, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what's going to come out of my mouth. But the story behind that uh, is really um, an interesting one because, um, you know, yes, I graduated with a degree in business. Um, and, and I remember going in the first couple of years I worked in the department and schools would call us in to do uh, on career day to mm. come in and, and tell about our job. And it's like, there's there's nobody here who wants to know <laughs> what I do. Actually, what I do, we do a lot of the recycling in the in the county. And uh, and I do use a lot of the, the things that I learned uh, in college. I'm able to put into practice a lot of those uh, those skills that deal with business in the in the work that that I do, we we don't do the trash uh, collection and, and things like that. Um, although those are very valuable jobs that people do, and we count on those people to to be there and provide those. But I do get to work with some of those folks uh, in and helping them provide recycling opportunities and and uh, trying to reduce waste that we have. But the way I got into the job uh, was very interesting. I, I had no idea what I was going to do at graduation. And I remember one of the traditions uh, at Wilmington was that when you went to graduate, you were you, most people decorated their mortarboard, the the little funny hat that you wear on your head. And so I didn't know what to put on my mortarboard. And somebody gave the suggestion, well, market yourself. Isn't that what you studied in college? I went to four years of college to learn how to decorate a mortarboard to market myself. And I put on my mortarboard for hire, <laughs> uh, had it. Painted up really nice, pretty large, so that as I'm walking up to get my diploma, people knew I was available for hire. Uh, that next day, so I graduated on a Saturday. That next Sunday, I was here at church, and I ran into uh, Sondra Weaver. Okay. Uh, Sondra and Charlie, longtime members. Uh, Charlie, uh, uh, former elder, um, and uh, Charlie just passed away recently. But they and they had a big impact on my life Fantastic growing up people. as well Fantastic. and continued to. Yes. Yes. Um, and anyway, Sandra came up to me and congratulated me on my graduation. And she said, do you have anything like, she said, did you decorate your mortarboard? I said, I sure did. I put four higher on it. And she's <laughs> like, 
oh, you don't have anything lined up yet? And I said, well, not yet. I've got some uh, my resume into a few places. And oh, we've got a position in, in our office uh, that, that you should come apply for. And so we talked a little bit about it. And uh, and I thought, yeah, why not? So I went ahead and, and applied there. And uh, long story short, I was hired in there as the uh, education specialist, which meant that I got to go into schools and do presentations and talk about recycling. And um, and and so, yeah, the, the rest is history. Uh, Sandra later on, uh, she 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 would she was my boss then. Wow. So she hired me in there. And then uh, about six months later, she left to take another uh, job and um, uh, and someone else came in and replaced her. And then uh, uh, about another two years after that, then uh, I was hired in as the as the coordinator. And I've been there at the county for I'm on my 23rd year now. So uh, that's that's how I got to where I am. I love what I do. I enjoy a lot of the people I work with and I get to do a little bit of different things um, every day. So. so you work for the county. So literally some of my tax scholars are going to waste. Is that a- <laughs> <laughs> Our department doesn't get tax dollars. We have other sources oh, of revenue. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I, that opened my eyes. I can't make that joke anymore. <laughs> Sorry, man. All We're right. just solidly wasting away. <laughs> yes. And not in the way you thought. <laughs> I'm so glad you told me about that because that, that's funny. So fast forward several years, um, your boys. Tell us about your boys, because it's kind of a big year for one of your one of your kids. Uh, well, Ryder. I'll start with him first. He is a sixth grader, so he's now in junior high. That took a lot out of this mom. Oh my goodness! Big transition uh, year. <laughs> yes, because he was like at at Wilmington Christian Academy. The elementary is you know pretty much together, and then the high school and middle school are kind of separate. Mm-hmm. So you don't see them as much. So, I mean, for however many years, like I've seen Ryder all day, every day and, <laughs> you know, run into him everywhere. And so this is the year that I don't see him as much. And that's kind of, that's kind of And writers are, writers are baby. We've got writers two boys baby. Uh, and Ryder's the youngest. The He's 12. So um, the thing is they are as different as night and day. Um, how, Two people can create two different, like, creatures. I don't know. They are just completely <laughs> different. It's just amazing. Um, so uh, let's see. Ryder is into Upward. Yes. He has Upward, Upward Games tomorrow and um, video games. That is his life right now. He's more of your artsy one. He, he is our artsy mm-hmm. one. A little more creative. Yes. yes. He loves to draw. He loves to make music. He's tried guitar and um, Joellen, once again, Joellen. Um, she tried to teach him piano. And Ryder is the type that he wants to know it now. He doesn't want to have to like gradually learn I don't want to build that muscle memory. I mm-hmm. just want to just know it. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So he gets frustrated. But um, so he's done a little bit of music. And, but yes, he's our creative one. Um, he watches, he'll, he'll tell you how to build things, how to do things, um, which I never had the chance to meet Jeff's grandfather, but I feel like he kind of has his mind. Like mm-hmm. your grandpa could 
create many things. I mean, just looking at our house, you can see that. But um, yeah, so we, that's Ryder got that. That's awesome. Um, now Hunter is a senior, so this is an even bigger thing for <laughs> this mama. And shockingly, I've only cried once. Oh. So, I mean, that's huge for me. I cry all the time for those who know me. Um, or I cry over everything. And so Hunter, yeah, so far I'm doing I'm doing good. I'm Graduation's doing good. coming though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she talks about the boys and being different, but it's um it, it really is refreshing because um yes, Ryder is more of the he's got the more technical mind. He loves to know how things work and he won't hesitate to take things apart and to try to put them back together again. And we hope that they get back together. We hope that they get back together and that they work. Uh, <laughs> or else we're putting out money to get some new ones. <laughs> a lot of times they do. He's been able to fix a lot of yes, stuff that, that we can't. And then, uh, and then Hunter is the the more um, the more vocal one uh, when it comes to he'll, he'll step up and he's uh, he's kind of developed into to a leader of sorts. Mm. And he also he's the one that's probably a little more athletic. Um, he enjoys uh, playing his sports, and he gets really enthusiastic about that. But his mind works a little differently. He's more of a relational yeah. type of, of individual. You know, while Ryder's more of a technical mind, Hunter's more of a uh, relationship, you know, and, and wanting to know how people think and how they feel. And uh, and so it's wow. it's interesting watching the two of them converse with one another, but also seeing how, how they use those uh, – uh, those skills, those gifts yeah. uh, um, to do different things. Um, this this is going to sound crazy, but so the first Sunday I came here over 10 years ago, you were the first person I met after small group. Uh, your son comes in. You said, hey, meet my son, Hunter, seven years old. Wow. Hunter was seven <laughs> years old. I've known him. So Ryder, oh. I met Ryder too. He had to have been what? A year. One. Yeah, there's six years between them. I, he, I mean, you were holding him. Mm -hmm. So I've known them that long. Wow, and I've uh, seen him grow up. And so, um, not this the last fall of 2022, you said Hunter has developed into more of a leader, mm -hmm. and we did something here for the first time called a five by five. And for those mm -hmm. who don't know what that is, that is five speakers on a Sunday morning, given their best five minutes, and um, I remember a staff meeting. We came up with some potential young people and. Hunter was one of the first ones we we said he'd be great at this, and he, without hesitation he said yes, and he got up there and kind of blew my mind. I'm like, I known him since he was seven years old, and now he's up here sharing the word of God, and that's huge. Yeah, and that is huge, and just to see him develop that, and and now he's he's getting ready for life after high school. Yes, mm -hmm. we don't know where he's going. Right. He's got several places that he's looking at, and but. Uh, yeah. 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 It's it's hard to it's hard for me to imagine. It is, but it's it's exciting too because yes. those are those are very impressionable years. I know we mm -hmm. talk about um kids growing up and and when they're in elementary and they're in high school, but but um that college age time um because there's it is really impressionable because you're making that transition from being a kid to being an adult. Mm. And and you're um solidifying some of those beliefs yeah. that you've grown up with. In some cases- Some of them are put to the test. Exactly. Yeah. In some cases, you're uh, 
they are um, th- those beliefs that you grew up with. You're you're either really accepting them, or you're looking other directions and you're you're trying to find truth in, in other ways. And um, uh, regardless of how you were raised, mm-hmm. and so um, you know it it is an exciting time. It's also a, a um, it can be a nerve wracking time for parents because you know you're you're letting them loose and. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, you've got to trust that God is going to uh, to guide them and that, uh, you know, the things that they have learned uh, that you've tried to instill in them, um, that he's going to remind them of those things. And and uh, and that's that that's reassuring mm. to to us as parents, because we know that we're not releasing him alone. Yeah, he's going to be taking that Holy Spirit with him where he goes. Uh, yep, and and you've even seen some of that stuff put the test, the order they get even through the high school years, like mm-hmm. like being willing to say yes, I I will speak in front of a congregation and a bunch of people even watching online. I mm-hmm. will speak about the gospel. That that's huge. I, I don't know if I could have done that at that at that age. And I I, I mean, we've had several of our youth that mm-hmm. have stepped up and mm-hmm. and have done that. Yes. And I'm I'm thoroughly impressed with with well, that. and and a great opportunity your boys have had is to grow up. In a church that's had great children's programming yes. and great youth programming, and that's the Wilmington Church of Christ. I will make that plug multiple times. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, and it even starts at the it even starts at the young age. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the elementary, uh, or not even elementary, but the the toddler. The, yes, yeah. and and in the cradle room. I mean, we've got um, Mr. Gene and and Sharon are in there, and uh, I, I mean, how many churches can boast that I, they've got a a male who is in charge of their cradle room who has been doing it for close to 40 years. I don't think years. I have ever seen a nursery worker like Mr. Gene who has befriended those he's brought up in the nursery because he's been close to your boys for well mm-hmm. as long as they've been alive. I, I think that was mm-hmm. one of the things like with Ryder moving up to junior mm-hmm. high because, I mean, Mr. Gene for 17 years, I mean, that's like hard for me to believe. 17 years, he's had our boys at some point on a Sunday night. First, it was Hunter, because we started with the small groups mm-hmm. almost Yeah, we, immediately we participated we... with small groups. So on, on, on Sunday evenings, or actually Sunday late afternoon into evening, um, we have junior high and high school small groups. And uh, we've been able to be leaders in this. That's the, probably one of the, the biggest areas groups. you two have been involved. You've been involved in many areas serving but you two have done that probably the longest. It, yeah, and it's I tell you what, it's so rewarding because mm. you develop relationships with with kids when they're sixth or seventh grade, and you stay with them until they graduate. And then when they graduate, they they still reach out to you, and you get invited to their weddings, and and you get to see how they they they're go into babies. Life. One of one of one of my original small group members is now a uh, mayor. Of a uh, of a small community <laughs> over in Warren County, and so Mitchell, if you see this, congratulations, buddy! You're going to do great. Uh, but, <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> but we couldn't have done that with having little kids if somebody hadn't stepped up mm-hmm. and said, "Hey, I'll watch them." So every Sunday afternoon, Mr. Gene would it just come shows in you- and hang out with Hunter and Ryder, and they still Hunter's a senior. Mr. Gene comes to his basketball games. I mean, it's like a, it's like another grandparent. And we, he's got, Hunter's got great, great, he, Hunter has some great grandparents that come in and they're part of his life, but he, he's got a, a bonus grandparent it, it now. It just shows you how important 
being a part of a church community is, because Mr. Gene comes in and gives you two the opportunities to invest in other kids' life, and you're still connected with them. Yes. And um, it's quite a commitment to stay with them from junior high all the way through high school. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking six, seven years as yes. being their small group leader there for them every Sunday night during the school year, and, and even more. And uh, what 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 is you kind of already talked about this, but what is maybe one of your favorite memories from being a small group leader? Or maybe some. Maybe it's more of a overall, this this is my favorite thing about this. Well, probably one of my favorite moments. And Amy Luttrell and I, I finished with one of my small groups. Um, my girls graduated out, and she was maybe a year or two into hers. And so Tony was like, you know, would you want to join Amy with hers and help her out with hers? I'm like, yeah, that would be great. And we had uh, probably six or more girls. Well, they had started a tradition, you know, they would get together every Christmas. So we would have a Christmas party at Amy's. I have a bedroom at Amy Luttrell's house and John and Amy's house. <laughs> um, I call it my bedroom. And um, so we would go stay. But the one thing that I loved was uh, we we were trying to think of things to do. Amy was like, let's kidnap our girls. And I'm like, (laughs) okay. And so we talked to their parents and said, this is what we want to do. This is very important for people to know. They talked to the parents. Yes, we had their permission. (laughs) We talked to the parents. So they helped us. They got like several of the girls in one location. And so we drove up in the church van and we got to the house and we walk in the door and the girls are like, what are you doing here? And we're like, we're kidnapping you. And we had to go around to a couple of different houses. We got everybody. We headed to Young's Dairy and we did a corn maze and, you know, all this stuff. Our girls loved it. Yeah, They're like. When are you going to kidnap us again? <laughs> so we did do it one more time. That's not a sentence that, or that's not a question that gets asked all. No, yeah. that's not. That's not. And so we did kidnap them one more time um, one summer, and we went and we had a picnic at the, might have been Cowan. I think it was Cowan. And then Hugh met us with his pontoon boat, and we went out. So, wow. So, yes, kidnapping. My small group, that was one of the best memories I have. Wow, and that's something that they will talk about. I hope so. They'll talk about it. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. What about you? Do you have? Well, I got got two. The first one was probably my first or second uh, small group meeting with my original group. And so I had these uh, sixth and seventh grade boys and – I'm like, okay, how does this work? What am I, you know, when you're a small group leader for the first time, you're trying to figure out a rhythm and mm-hmm. and what do I do? I don't really know them. They don't know me yet. And oh my goodness, they were uh, they were a little wild because they were young. And I remember we were in a room which was it used to be the the old library over in the fellowship hall, and it had nice carpeting that had really good padding. I mean, it was really soft and one of the boys pulls out a bag of of uh, uh, cheese cheese balls, and he called them cheesy poofs. They always called them <laughs> cheesy poofs, and they got those out. and And you can imagine as they all reach into these bags, their their fingers are covered in in cheesy poofs, cheese balls, <laughs> and they're dust. eating these things, and they're dropping them on the floor, and they're stepping on them. They don't mean to. 
But I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I'm going to be here all night trying to figure out how to clean this up. <laughs> and uh, so small group ends and and they leave and I'm like finding a vacuum cleaner, trying to clean this up. I got to get this out of the carpet. And I'm thinking to myself, I think I had their attention for maybe five minutes of one hour of a one hour span. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. And I remember talking to Tony, Tony Brockmeyer. And I said, Tony, I, <laughs> I don't know if I have what it takes to do to do, to do this. And I remember him saying, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Don't, don't sweat it. They're going to, yes, that's, those are junior high boys. It'll be, it'll be fine. And so, um, as the weeks went on, we, we developed a, a routine. They got to know me and I got to know them a little more, but we would, we would do snacks at a certain time and, um, no cheesy poofs. <laughs> they had to stay out of the classroom, but you know, I got to know those boys and, and got to see them all graduate. And then, um, and then start over again. And the cool thing about it was when I started over the second time, one of the young men, uh, Luke Swearingen, who was in my original group as a, as one of the students, one of the ones with the cheesy poofs, uh, joined me as a co-leader of the next small group. And so we stayed together and we, together, we led a small group all the way through till they graduated. Wow. But during that time, uh, uh Luke and his wife Lily got married as well. And so I still got to see him continue to grow up, but to be able to serve alongside somebody that you got to have in, you know, as a student. Um, and then now I'm on my third time through. And uh, this time I actually am with uh, Rich Cummins. And, uh, and, and, uh, so it's, it's now it's an even different experience, but I love being in there with Rich because mm. he, he's got so many cool things that he shares with the the boys and, and he'll bring in all of his, his Rubik's cubes that aren't just regular cubes there. Uh, and I don't know, some of them have, I don't know how many sides to them. Um, but, but the kids will, they love that kind of stuff. And, and so it's really neat being able to to cycle back through, but you know, that doesn't happen unless you deal with the cheesy poofs and, and all of the other, in the five minutes of attention span, um, when they're sixth and seventh graders, because when you do that, you, you develop a rapport with them. Yeah. And then as they become more mature, they can handle a little bit longer time and, and more, important discussions and, and, and deeper conversations. And then when they get to be in high school, sometimes they even seek you out for advice on things. Outside of the Sunday. Yes. Yes. And, and you're like, okay, all right. Never would have envisioned that four years ago, but now, you know, so having done it a few times, I've got I, I, the ability to, to look back and say, okay, even though I've got seventh graders now, I know that here in a few years, I'm going to be able to have some of those conversations because we've developed the relationship. And, and of course, our student minister, Tony, he does such a great job on equipping mm -hmm. um, small group leaders. And I always say he does it right because the kids don't just look to Tony. They look at the small group leaders. Mm -hmm. Tony's developed a great team, and he gives the small group leaders flexibility on what they can do with their students. Yes. Like, um, geez, just this past year, I, I was walking around during small groups and like during the fall, there is one small group leader carving pumpkins with her mm -hmm. small group. <laughs> you go to a, another yep. one, uh, uh, um, Jeff, Jeff Myers and Jake Green, they'll take their guys out to Skyline. Mm -hmm. And then 
there, there was one week I walked in and I'm like, well, where, where's Rich and Jeff's class, our, our group? And I we opened the door and you guys are playing board games. Yes. <laughs> you have like Monopoly out there and stuff. And I'm like, but that that's your Those are cutthroat. The time. Those are cutthroat games too. I mean it. <laughs> they get into it. I've, <laughs> I've had the seriously. pleasure. I've had the pleasure of serving um, alongside Beth Green, leading the student impact uh, mm-hmm. worship team for nine years now. Wow. That's that's crazy to think about. Um, but even within that, seeing students step up to sing mm-hmm. and then getting more comfortable singing. Yes. And we've seen students cycle through now. So I, I feel like we were a little bit of a small group of our own seeing mm-hmm. students train up in mm-hmm. worship. And I just will always brag about our small groups and our oh, students yeah. here at the church. And that's the Wilmington Church of Christ, mm-hmm. 909 West Locust Street, Wilmington, <laughs> Ohio. But um, so, so you two have served in many places over the years. I mean... Um, Jeff, like Jeff, you once a month even serve on camera mm-hmm. on a camera crew, and uh, so so does your son Hunter. And as long as you two have been here and you have served in so many areas, what are some of the ways you have seen the church grow over the years to where we are now? What excites you about where we are now? Mm-hmm. What's some of the ways you have seen our church grow? And I'm not just talking numerically, of course, mm-hmm. you, you know, for me, um. Especially being here now, forty-five years. Uh, <laughs> He's telling his age. I am. Yes, I am. Yeah, I have seen a lot of things uh, change, and but you know what? The one thing that always stays the same is uh, is the gospel that we that we preach, mm. that we that we talk about, that we cling to. Uh, the way that we worship does change, mm. but who we worship never does. Yes. And, you know, so so one of the things, though, that I feel that has really changed since when I was younger, or at least the perception that I had when I was younger, was, um, you know, we tell people, come as you are. Yeah. You know, don't worry about what you're wearing. Come in and 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 worship in spirit and in truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I think back to a time when I was probably about um, seven or eight years old. And uh, I was over at my grandparents' house for the afternoon. It was a Sunday afternoon. So after church, we went over to my grandparents' house because my, my parents had something going on. And uh, so I was staying there. And my grandparents always went to church on Sunday evening. Uh, but my parents were supposed to be back before that time that, that my grandparents needed to leave. Well, my parents were running late. This is before the age of cell phones where they can just pick up the phone <laughs> and said, we're, we're running behind. And so my, my grandmother came in and she says, okay, get ready because we're going we're gonna to be going to church here soon. And, and I remember what I had on at the time. I had on a, a pair of, uh, of blue jeans, uh, and it wasn't even one of the nicer pair of blue jeans. And I had on a red Coca-Cola sweatshirt. And I remember looking at my grandma and saying, I can't. No, I can't go wearing this. We're going to have to stop by the house and I can change. And they're like, well, we don't have a key to get into the house. No, you, you wear what, you, what you've what you got. And I mean, I stressed over that. And grandma came up to me and she said, you know what? And this has always stuck with me. She said, God would much rather have you wearing that sitting in the church than dressed in a suit sitting at home. Mm. And that always uh, that always stuck with me. And, and, and whether or not I've had, you know, whether or not I needed to be dressed up to, to come to church was a, a, a thing or just something that I perceived myself because we just always were at the time. Um, 
I think that's something that that um, I can look at now and say that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that much. And and I'm not saying that you should never dress up. And hey, if you want to dress up and that helps you to worship God more, then then do it. But it but if you're comfortable and and just what you have, knowing that hey, I can I can focus on on uh, giving God praise and, and reading the scripture in just a, a, a hoodie and, and jeans, then then do that too. That's not what God's looking at. He's looking at how you're approaching him and with what heart that you have. And so that's one thing I think that I think we are a lot more open now to under to to letting people know we want you to come as you are. Don't feel you have to come in here and go out and buy a suit to come to, to church here and to worship God. Yeah, absolutely. And I, even from the time I've been here, I've seen that. I've seen that become more evident, mm-hmm. right? We've always been that way, but people, when they meet us out in public or they get on our website, that should be evident that they see we care about you as a person, yes. not how you're dressed. Mm-hmm. And so, what what about you? What What do I see as like how we've grown and what's making us grow? Yeah, I think we. Our church reaches every age group. Mm. Um, I know that, um, you know, Bruce Stoffer has the Sunday school class um, for the older people. Um, I'm Advanced saying that, in years. You don't have to say the I, well, O word. You know, I didn't know how to word that because I don't want to disrespect them. Um, so older. And, um, but then, I mean, I have seen with, the on down to the kids because so many churches it seems like you're either really really young mm. you have the young families with the you know parents that are just starting out or you have the older people mm. and not together yeah and um so i mean i've seen cheryl bring in so many families mm. that are young and so there is that hope of continuing they're the next generation coming in. Um, but we still have those older ones in to mentor at times. Help prepare or, the way. Yes, mm-hmm. prepare and, the way. And I will say this. Um, I, I've i never seen a place that's uh, where the, the older adults support our kids as much as here mm-hmm. at this church. I really feel that we've got a great uh, student ministry. We've got a great children's ministry. Tony and Cheryl do a wonderful job bringing families in. But we also have some um, some of our older adults who are um, more experienced that have uh, been in the faith longer that really come alongside these kids. And even if they don't, you know, come and, and talk to them all that, th- they want to see those children grow up in the faith. And they're so generous with well, their well, resources. Even, even whenever kids get on stage, whether it's impact yes. worship students leading worship or or we have some of our high school and junior high students bringing a five by five message. Mm-hmm. There is a level of excitement from even Absolutely. everyone in church. They're like, "This is what we need to see mm-hmm. more of," and that well, and, and that kids feed off that. Ways. Yeah, they feed off that, knowing that they've got the acceptance of of There's the a generation a- ahead of them. And uh, yes, they they get those folks get excited as well. Yeah. So well, I just when we because it was John and Amy. He went Joel and Jeff and I. So there were six of us in junior high for I don't know how many years mm-hmm. until you and John broke off to, you know, do the more college age ministry. And um, 
But we would take the kids to Believe, which is a CIY. Um, it was middle school during the February. I think mm-hmm. it was usually in February. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so many times we would tell our kids, if money is an issue, it's not an issue. Because mm. there was somebody in the church, and I'm going to guess it was the older generation who mm. were willing and wanted to give money to help wow. so that the kids to, could go and not mm-hmm. have that limitation Because there's them. a mindset. They might say, we can't physically go and chaperone. Mm-hmm. We, we can't do that, but we can be a part in supporting yes. them. And help you get and, there. And just just a great, great example. Great example. This past Saturday was our first Upwards uh, program game day mm-hmm. uh, for this season. And there, I, I won't say their names because I did not ask permission. Um but there was a couple that has been at this church for years. They're they're a part of that older generation. It was their first time coming to an upward game mm-hmm. because they knew someone who was playing. And they walked in and they seen just this place was just it's jam-packed here. Mm-hmm. Just hundreds and hundreds of people waiting to come in for the next game, exiting the game. And they're seeing these kids play and the coaches cheer them on and the parents cheer them on and the gospel is shared with them at halftime. Mm-hmm. And they walked out of that and they caught me at the door. And I kid you not, they said, this is why I love our church. Mm. <laughs> they wow. said, he said, this is what it's all about. Yes. And I'm like, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Investing in the next generation. Mm-hmm. But in yes. order to do that, it takes every generation. Mm-hmm. It does. And, and you know, those, those are the people who help raise me in the faith here mm. at this church. And, and I know that, you know, as, as we get older, we, we may not have the energy or the physical ability to, to be able to do the same thing we did when we were younger. But, but those people have found ways to, to continue to pour into our, our mm-hmm. kids. And, and I'm so thankful for that, mm. for that generation. And uh, because they, they do play such a big part here at this church of, yeah. uh, of even just encouraging and yes. and um and and you know the servers that we have they they'll bring the younger kids mm-hmm. along and 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 mentor them and show them how to do it and get them involved and that's so important and we have and I know um what Jeff with you being on the eldership how many times have we talked about it feels like especially over the past couple of years there's just been a surge especially of younger families coming in the doors mm-hmm. of this church yes and we have just been seeing God and What's amazing is they're coming in, and what is the biggest draw for them? How we invest in their young ones, mm-hmm. right? Yes, they, they they know and they appreciate the great. They're going to get great gospel teaching and mm-hmm. service, of course, but they want their kids raised mm-hmm. in the Lord, and they know they're going to get that here. And there's other great churches in town sure. who mm-hmm. I will vouch for their children's program. But it's so exciting to see young couples coming in with young kids and saying. This is a church we can raise our kids mm-hmm. in. Yes, absolutely. And a church that we can stay at even after. Because, yes. you know, we, everybody we, is We invest together. in all generations. Yes. But um, we, we recognize the importance of investing in the future generations. Mm-hmm. And so um, so I, as, as we bring our conversation to the end, I will ask this of each of you. If you could give a word of encouragement to somebody who is on the edge of discovering a relationship with Christ. They're thinking about it because there are several people within this church who are just on the edge. Uh, we're actually seeing someone get baptized uh, here this coming Sunday. Mm-hmm. 
what is the word of encouragement you would give them? I'll let you go first. I have to <laughs> okay. think this through. Okay. Well, you know, the first thing I would say is give it a try. Try. Try Jesus. What do you have to lose? Um, you know, and, and, and I think that there's, I would say a number of us, all of us can vouch that, you know, he's never let us down. Mm. Don't put your faith in people. I mean, as, as, as much as I love our church and our congregation and the people that are in it, we, we will let you down at some point, somebody will do something that upsets you or that, that lets you down. We're, we're human. And, um, you know, but Jesus never will. So don't put your faith in the church. Put your faith in the Christ. Put it into Jesus and allow yourself, though, to be loved and embraced by the people of the church. But as they extend grace to you, also remember, you've got to extend grace to them mm-hmm. because um, because we're all going to make mistakes. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus extended that grace to us. And so he wants us to do the same too. So, so, so my advice is try it, find out about Jesus, find out what he did, and then try to follow him. One of the things I try to tell our students, um, is, you know, our purpose in life, our mission in life is not to get to heaven because a, a, a mission means that you set a goal and you are working towards something. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, heaven isn't something you'll ever do enough good works for. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a gift that's freely given yeah. by Jesus Christ. Um, therefore, it can't be a, a goal and it can't be a mission. So therefore, what is your goal? Your goal in life is to become more like Jesus each and every day. He says, follow me, follow in my footsteps, do as I do. And so, you know, if we follow Jesus and we give it a try, he you know, your life is going to be better. It's going to be more fulfilling, not necessarily easier, but it's going to be better. Yeah. And so try it, If, if especially if things aren't going well or, and, and things aren't working the way that you want them to go. Try it doesn't mean that you're not going to have problems, but you will be better equipped to, to handle those and to put them into perspective. And also you will have problems, but that doesn't mean you have to deal with them alone. Exactly. Just like we mm-hmm. have, we've been talking about this whole time, the importance of church family and that community to help you with that process. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Well, you kind of hit on what I was gonna say. You can repeat it. <laughs> um, so, I mean, within the past few years, I've had some struggles mm. uh, with situations that are out of my control, mm. and um, you know, God, I, I can't imagine what those struggles would have been like if I didn't have God on my side. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not, it's still not easy, yeah. but at least I know I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I can go to him. And there are the moments where it's like, oh, thank you, God. Um, for those moments where, you know, things just, you hope that they will turn out and it's like you pray and you pray and you pray and you know, it's on God's time. Yeah, it's not your own time, mm-hmm. um, which is the one thing that I struggle with. I, I am not a patient person. I know not to pray for patience, um, <laughs> but uh, God's time is always the best time. Mm. And so, you know, put God on your side because when you have those tough times, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. You're not alone. And um, 
life is so much better. When, and I have to say, you know, we've talked about so many things, but God has blessed me more than I could imagine. And sometimes I don't feel like I deserve it. And so I'm like, why? Um, but his blessings are immense and they're beautiful. They're yes. Almost, yes. And and she says she says she doesn't pray for patience because we have a little a little <laughs> joke our family and and uh, and with some of our friends as well that when you when you pray for patience you're going to be given opportunities to to show patience <laughs> just just when I pray like I need to be more graceful in my life and then God will bring me across people that I can show that to <laughs> right <him>. right <laughs> I think why <laughs> yes oh, I prayed for this I'm sorry. No, I don't think that God tries to trick us into those things, but no. but we are more aware whenever we were in our walk with Christ. Uh, we're going to be more aware of aware of those um, opportunities that mm. we have to to demonstrate how we are being more like Jesus, and to also expose areas that we need to that we need to work on. And, and that's done through the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times we think, oh, I'm recognizing this, like you just said. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of that is the Holy Spirit is opening your eyes to yes. recognize mm -hmm. what that is. And so, um, and I know he played a big part in what you've been going through. And um, I know you've had a great church family and you've got many dear friends in this church oh. that has been a part of your life and helping you through. Well, I think that's one of the things that um, I love about this church. Now I'm going to cry. Um <laughs> is their family, mm -hmm. their family of Mr. Gene and Sharon. It's like my kids have more grandparents. Yeah. And um, I have, uh, you know, a huge relationship with um, Amy and Joellen. Mm -hmm. And so they're like sisters to me. Um, and so it's not just, you know, friends that are in church, they're family. Yeah. They are family. They become a part of your family. Yes. And again, that's the Wilmington Church of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, uh, man. Thank you both for the conversation. It's been um, great. Thank you. I've enjoyed this. Um, and, and I know you had questions coming in like, you know, well, what, what from our story will people want to hear? Well, <laughs> I was excited to hear so many different elements that I didn't know about you too. And um, the comedy that comes with that and the love, <laughs> the love that comes with that. But uh uh, well, the, the the backstory podcast has been a true true blessing for a lot of people, mm -hmm. and um, I I have a, a pastor friend of mine who said I've got to look into doing this for our church because you know so often you see or hear from the ministers on stage or the elders, but mm -hmm. you know this has taken a, a very good chance to just zone in on who the church is, the people. Mm -hmm. the, the people is not the pastor, it's not the elders, it's the congregation as yes. a whole. Um, well, and we're not always perfect because on Sunday and, you always see the, you know, you're sitting in church with your straight back and worshiping and we're, we're not always perfect people. It's easy to get a <laughs> false idea and it's mm -hmm. easy to put on a facade for one hour once a mm -hmm. week. But, um, you know, something I love about our church is when you get to know the people, you see the transparent person. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what I love about about even our leadership. Um, I, and I always hope that even from a stage you can see that our leadership is still transparent. 
you know, they'll let you know we're not perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, we're not. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, just get to know us and it won't take long to discover. But thank you both for jumping thank on. You. I can't wait to see what comes of this. Yes, thank you.